Hello, and welcome back to Catching Up David. This is episode 21, Wonder Woman. Hello, Hallie. Hello, David. Hello, Kristen. I just want to say that you missed a golden opportunity to say that this is episode 20, Wonder Woman. And that's all. Hello. You're right. That, that, was, that was much better. Yeah. Some facts about Wonder Woman. It's a 2017 superhero action film directed by Patty Jenkins and produced in part by scumbag treasury secretary Steve Mnuchin, hmm. which I didn't realize until I saw his name in the credits. It stars Gal Gadot, Chris Pine, Robin Wright, Danny Huston, David Thewlis, Connie Nielsen, and Elena Anaya. Also, I found out in the credits, one of the Amazonians, there's a woman by the name of Yuta Adepo, whose name is spelled O-O-O-O-O-T-A, which is like one of my new favorite names. That's, That's lovely. Her name has five O's in it. That's like the ideal number of O's. Yeah, I googled her and she's also like a really awesome human being. She's an entrepreneur from Nigeria who speaks like five languages fluently and works to support female-led enterprises around the world. Oh. Also, gotta be an extra in Wonder Woman. Just, that's a thing that happened. Living the dream. Yeah. That's so. cool. I thought I was like snazzy for knowing that one of the um, Amazonians was a Victoria's Secret model, and not that modeling isn't necessarily hard, but this other woman who has five O's in her name, that's cool. That's cooler than being like, haha, I know that one of the extras is a model. So you win. You get a point. You get a point. I know you looked this up, but still. I did. I mean, I look, I look all kinds of things up. But as I, as I usually watch through the credits to look for people with cool names, this was a very cool name that stood out. So anyways, speaking of people's names, I did know the name Gal Gadot, but I think just because I knew she was Wonder Woman for some reason, and I'd heard of Chris Pine, who I think is the Peach Cobbler Chris, is that right? I, I, he's Cherry Pie. No, he's Peach Cobbler Chris. (laughs) He's Cherry Pie. He's Peach Cobbler Chris. (laughs) indisputable okay anyone listening you have to let us know which pie chris pine is he's absolutely we should do a twitter poll yeah and then everybody's gonna vote for cherry pie because it's right okay we'll do it we we can do a twitter poll i can make that happen if chris pine were a pie what type of pie would chris pine be your options are cherry and peach cobbler apparently i'm a little bit sore that you remembered only Kristen's alleged pie type for uh for chris pine i was gonna say that i must be right if that's the one i don't know if that's necessarily solid evidence that you're right it it definitely isn't peach cobbler is the only pie that i remembered for any of the chris's it just happened to be right that that was chris pine it's not right it's just like it is it's weird that you didn't remember the one that we both agreed on, which is Chris Hemsworth, who is Key Lime Pie. Key Lime, yeah. It's a solid, it's a solid agree. That, that one, that one's truly indisputable. Yeah. And we don't like agreeing on things, so like, you know that it's correct if we both do. Listeners, if you're lost, you can go back and check out episode one, I think, which is where 
we discussed <laughs> the Chris's and the pies. Was it really episode one? I think so. I think it was our very first oh my episode. Aw. We were babies. It's adorable. Yeah. Anyways, Chris Pine. I hadn't actually seen anything with him in it. This was my first time seeing Chris Pine. What did you think? He's like... He's very attractive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like... He's above average. You are not wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Good takeaway. We're proud of you. But like... I don't know. He's attractive in sort of a boring way. Like, he's just... No. He's, he's like, too attractive. There isn't anything, like, particularly interesting about his attractiveness. He's just... No. He's very attractive. And that seemed to be his defining feature. I... No, I feel like... Like, he... I, like, agree with the words that you're saying, but I disagree <laughs> with what they mean <laughs> is, the, is, is the thing. Like... I like I can see why you would find him a cookie cutter a cookie cutter hot guy but I I feel like he's a special cookie cutter hot guy. I don't think he's a cookie cutter hot guy because if you look at like older pictures of him it's not that he looked bad but like Chris Pine has grown into his attractiveness and he has earned it and I feel like there are some people who are like boring attractiveness but he's not. He has such nice eyes. He does have really nice eyes. Yeah, I mean I guess he is sort of, he's sort of cookie cutter attractive, but he's like, it's like a really good cookie cutter. (laughs) It's like a classic, like, gingerbread man, like a cookie that everybody likes. Yeah. Yeah. Chris Pine used to be my, like, fourth favorite Chris. I was about to be like, and now he's second, but he might only be third. I don't know. He, he, but this movie helped. He, like, climbed the ranks with this. Plus, um, we have previously discussed Chris Pratt and his problems, so he's at the bottom. But Chris Pine, this movie helped him. Yeah, I actually forgot how good Wonder Woman was until I rewatched it this past weekend. Like, I liked it when I saw it in the theaters, but I hadn't watched it since and was like, wow, this is, like, better than I remember it being. And Chris Pine is also better than I remember it being. Not that he steals the show because it's Gal Gadot's movie, it's Wonder Woman, but, like, I enjoy watching him in it. Yeah. Speaking of people who really liked it, the film was the 10th highest grossing film of 2017, earning over $821 million worldwide, and it was the highest grossing film by a solo female director. And was critically acclaimed and selected by the American Film Institute as one of the 10 best films of the year. That was good, because DC needed a win, and women needed a win. Yes, definitely. Yes. So, finally, a sequel to the film, entitled Wonder Woman 1984, is set to be released this October, if it isn't further delayed due to COVID. It's been pushed back, like, a couple times, but... Well, no, here's the Right now, October 2nd, that's when... It was supposed to come out last year in, like, June... And then they pushed it to this year in, like, November. And then, oddly, when all the COVID stuff was happening, they bumped this up to August. And then at some point decided, no, that's not good. And then they bumped it back to October. So it's been through quite a few different schedule changes. And I really don't think it'll come out in October. I would love for it to, but I don't think that's in the cards. I don't, yeah, I don't know. Because I don't, a lot of theatrical releases have been releasing straight to streaming services, which I don't think is a bad thing, but I don't think Wonder Woman's going to go for that. Yeah, I can imagine that this would be a whole lot better on the big screen. Yeah. That's how I'd want to see it first anyway. 
because I'm I'm hyped for that for the sequel. I think it looks super fun. Yeah, I don't know anything about it except that Kristen Wiig is playing Cheetah. She is, and Chris Pine's back. Yay! Yay! <laughs> I was very happy did to he, see that. Did he not actually die? Uh, is that the we don't know unknown spoilers? Everybody haven't seen it. We don't know. I'm sure there's some time travel shenanigans involved. You know, maybe like a wish or two, some kind of magic wish. I'm sure the law of equivalent exchange will come into play. These are all theories. I don't know. Who's to say? Not us. We don't know. Not not us. We haven't seen it yet, and we won't until at least October 2nd. In case it's been a while since you've seen it, Wonder Woman is the story of Diana, Amazonian princess of Themyscira, daughter of Queen Hippolyta and the god Zeus. Against her mother's wishes, young Diana trains to be a warrior in preparation for the return of the god of war Ares, who has killed all the other gods before being wounded by Zeus and fleeing. The Amazons live in peace on the island, however, until one day, men appear. Captain Steve Trevor, a U.S. spy who infiltrated a German war operation to create a new deadly poison gas, crashes his plane into the sea off Themyscira's coast and is rescued by Diana. After learning of World War I, Diana leaves with Steve for London to try and help end the war by killing Ares once and for all. A photograph from Batman, a lasso that compels the truth, and some handy-dandy bullet-stopping bracers. Wonder Woman. Are they really called bracers? I thought they were called gauntlets. Is that the term? The things on her arms? I thought a gauntlet was gauntlets a Gauntlets are like gloves. I think bracers are the things you wear on oh, your wrists. Oh, I'm thinking of goblet. <laughs> 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 no. I'm Googling Wonder Woman oh, gauntlets. No. Doesn't seem like the right word. No, gauntlet seems more like a glove because they say gauntlet in um Okay, Infinity no, you're War. right on that one. Apparently They're bracers, right? I know. Uh, bracelets of submission is what came up on Google. Of metal bracelets or cuffs worn by Wonder Woman and other Amazons. There you go. I like that the bracelets of submission bracelets of submission yeah so wonder woman is not a character that i knew a whole lot about i remember that her name was diana as soon as i heard it and i knew about the lasso of truth but that was basically it like i said last time most of my wonder woman knowledge comes from watching Hanna barbera cartoons from the 70s where she's present but mostly just sort of flies around in her invisible jet and convinces villains to reveal their secret plans with her lasso so I didn't realize that she was an immortal warrior goddess out to kill the god of war. That was a bit of a surprise. And the only thing that I really knew about the movie itself is that Joss Whedon was supposed to direct and write the script for a while. And then at some point, I don't remember if it was before or after he was attached to the project, but somebody leaked his really atrocious script for it and he was no longer part of it. Yeah, it wasn't a good script. I don't remember specifics, but I remember seeing the leak somewhere and making a face while I was reading it. Yeah, it was basically Steve's story and everyone was always sort of like checking out Wonder Woman and he just sort of like led her around and uh, like we started with Steve and it was like his his thing about it, it was his tale of like discovering Wonder Woman. Oh, whatever. No. Yeah, it was like pretty gross. No. Yeah, well then thank god someone leaked that and 
stopped that from happening because yeah hard pass that's not what we that's not what we wanted no what we want is amazon's doing cool flips and shooting arrows at snuff tons of six that's what, yeah that's what i wanted yes the when when oh god what's her name princess buttercup auntie her character's name when she does the thing where they do like the shield and then they push her up and then she goes over them and she has the three arrows and she gets all those guys. That's great. Love that. Antiope. There we go. Antiope. Okay, so no, I was Antiope. right in who I was thinking of as I do. Yeah, Antiope. And they brought that back. I was so happy I liked, when they brought I liked at the very beginning when the Amazons were just training and you've got like the one they woman who's back. like almost falling off her horse to get her shield and the other one who does like a backflip off of her horse and the like lands on the ground and shoots some arrows at stuff that's that's all i really wanted from the movie and you got it like right away yeah i'm not really i guess i'm a little bit more turned off by like cgi and like special effects heavy action sequences and i'm a lot more into like tightly choreographed fights where people are like doing the cool flips and things like that so this movie had some of both but i uh i was definitely drawn towards the like the fight on the beach like all the all the amazon scenes basically were pretty great and like when they jump off the cliff and then like shoot arrows to make little rope swing things so they can swing down and shoot more arrows that was great what was your favorite part what was my favorite part yeah i really did i liked the the fight on the beach i liked I sort of had mixed feelings. I guess we can talk about it. We can talk about that first. But I, I sort of had mixed feelings about the London scenes that solely existed to show how out of, of like out of touch Diana is with the modern world and all of its customs. But I do really love like little moments when she gets excited about things, like when she sees the baby and just like runs across the street to go play with it. Yeah, oh, baby. That's- one of the best parts especially because like the preceding line was like take me to the war right and then just oh, yes. like i really like the london scenes because i think that yeah i think go ahead you started talking first go i think they showcased diana's personality really well because of like the dichotomy between take me to the war and a baby and i feel like i never feel like she's patronized in that scene like maybe a little bit by a by Steve because he's at his wit's end. He doesn't explain things very well. But like on the whole, I, I don't feel like like the dressing up scene is fun because it's for another woman, first of all, who's like commenting on things. And because Diana's like having fun with the outfits and flipping up the skirts and stuff. And she's so like she never feels bad for misunderstanding things. She just thinks everybody else is clueless, which I love. I just like how She's so genuine, and you can tell that with everything she does. Like, she wants Steve to take her to the war. She's very excited about seeing the baby. And, oh, I love the ice cream scene when she tries it, and then she eats it, and she's like, you should be very proud. Because that's just such a nice... Yeah, the ice cream is great, too. ...wholesome thing. Like, she feels something, and then she lets you know what it is. Like, I like, too, how... She was mad at Steve. She's like, we have to go back in there. We have to go talk to these people about this. And he's like, no, 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 I know. I lied. We're doing this. And she's like, you lied? What? Like, she's very secure in her morals. Even when they still benefit her, she can still get mad about them. 
And I did like, it was, it was a far, or not a far, it was a difference, a welcome difference from Mean Girls when they're all looking in the mirror and they're all like pointing out all their flaws and everything. Whereas Diane like, or Diane, Diana puts the glasses on and looks in the mirror and just sort of like appreciates how she looks and then turns back to them and she keeps going and she's so self-assured specs right i know as if, as if she's suddenly, she's suddenly not the not. most beautiful woman you've ever seen but <laughs> that's I'm, she's that's just very self-assured lines, and one. i like her a lot i love diana yeah it she she feels like because she's never made to feel bad about it and because she's so earnest and genuine the whole time like i feel on diana's side for that scene and I never I don't feel like the explicit purpose is to show how out of place she is I feel like it's also to reinforce who she is as a person and her passion for what she's doing yeah yeah there's there's both I mean she is both out of touch but it's also mostly to like poke fun at society to by having this person who's completely outside of it being like you do these things you wear like how do how do women fight in these clothes things like that yeah I I think I don't know I had a a mix of emotions I really I really liked Etta I really liked Steve's secretary Etta Etta's great but yeah I think I I liked I liked the sort of ass kicking Diana more than the like like when she was railing against the the British high command I liked those scenes a lot more than like when she's trying on dresses and stuff I mean, I think everybody does, but I didn't really mind the trying on dresses, but I am also biased because I really like her Diana Prince outfit. Oh my god, it's amazing. It is really good. Great outfit. It's not really good, it's amazing. You're right. I know. Next on the list. Next on the list. We jump sort of like right into the the middle of things that I have on my list. That's Hallie's fault. So what if we go back to the like very beginning? How did you feel about the the frame narrative that we start with Diana in the present day getting the letter and photograph from Bruce Wayne and then the whole movie is a flashback until the very very ending where she writes Batman a an email? I liked it until I saw um Batman versus Superman and the Justice League, and I realized that I really dislike this Batman a lot. So now when I see it in the beginning, I'm just sort of like, oh, F you, Batman. Leave her alone. Like, I, it's too much, but it's not actually that bad. I remember being not surprised. I thought it was fine. I didn't mind that it was a flashback. But I like that it's a flashback that doesn't... I don't actually know anything about this Batman. Oh my god, he sucks. Do not watch Justice League. Um, it's not good. But what was I going to say? What, no, I don't what's mind. What's so bad about this Batman? He just, to me, is 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 not what Batman should be. I don't know. I feel like one. I don't think. Not. It's hard because Christian Bale's Batman was so good that if you are going to do Batman again so soon after, which I don't think you should, but they were doing it for the sake of Justice League. I understand. But if you're going to, I understand making his Batman different from Christian Bale's to help set them apart. But to me, I don't know, this Batman just is not 
charismatic. He's not charming. I disagree with his vigilante style. And you're not supposed to disagree with Batman. You're supposed to be on his side, except for maybe a few things. And I rarely am on Ben Affleck's side when he's Batman. Those are my thoughts. I'm sort of interested in a Batman whose side that you're not on. Because, like, there's a whole lot of criticism of Batman as, like, a character and as a person in general. Like, just this rich dude who spends a lot of money so he can go beat up on poor people. <laughs> and, and like, the mentally ill. It's not that you are supposed to be against Batman, because I think that could be an interesting take. I just think... Like, we first see him in Batman vs. Superman, and I am so aggressively Team Superman in that movie that it just made me dislike Batman from the get-go. Like, any point that Batman was making about Superman being like, oh, he's an alien, he has the power to take us all out, we should be cautious. Like, yeah, that's a valid, genuine concern, but he takes that three steps farther than it needs to go. And I don't like the actions he takes because of it. So I know that they set it up for the movie, but in doing so, they made me really like Superman that much more and really dislike Batman. So I had to watch after that um, the Lego Batman movie as a palate cleanser. That's a good Batman. The best Batman. Yeah. That's a good Batman. It's <laughs> a good Batman. But anyway, back to your original question. No, I don't mind that it was told as a backflash. Um, I'm glad, though, that it stayed, you know, present day, backstory, present day. It didn't try to keep jumping in and out. I think in this case that would have ruined the narrative of it. But I don't know. I thought it was good. Good storytelling thing to do. Fine by me. I didn't have strong feelings about it. Like, it made sense to me that they were like, here's Batman, because it's fun. It's just fun to drop, like, other characters doing things in the background of movies, like, as a reference. But also, I feel like there was probably some concern about getting people invested in Wonder Woman, so they were like, let's throw in a Batman tease right away. So I think it's fun, because Batman doesn't show up or do, like, anything except for send the little briefcase and the note and she like sends the polite email or whatever like it's not drawn out it's fine i like it a perfectly fine as a framing device especially because i completely forgot about the framing device while i was watching the movie i think both times so by the time we're back and she's like typing the thank you email i'm like oh that's right she's she's at the louvre that's cool forgot about that yeah i was sort of i was curious about i because i sort of forgot about it too it it didn't seem like the most necessary thing in the world, but I guess like I, I was I kept expecting I expected something at the end to happen like in the present day, and I sort of liked that it didn't. That there wasn't some crime that she had to go solve or whatever. It was just Bruce Wayne did this nice thing for her and found a photograph. Yeah, I think the that... nature of it is really nice too, and it shows that she like has moved on with her life and done things with it like i'm sure she spent an appropriate amount of time mourning for steve trevor but she's like a docent or a curator of some kind now which is a pretty baller job she's got friends who are bruce wayne and who are reaching out to her through not a i need your help with this thing capacity through a friendly 
here is something that interests you slash is important to you uh, avenue. And I just, I liked that. It, it felt nice to end on like a calm note, you know, because I feel like if as a superhero you have attained some level of calm regularity in your life, you're succeeding. And Wonder Woman succeeds. Yeah, I think I think that's true of non-superheroes too. <laughs> all of us, it's all we want, some calm regularity. Just a nice a nice job somewhere in Paris and <laughs> Occasional friends who friends who will check in sometimes. <laughs> yeah. She's living the dream. She is. She is. I'm so happy for her. Also, yeah. I really liked whatever like red coat cover yeah. shawl capey thing she had on when she was walking she into the loop. Got a dope outfit. Yeah. Diana has just it was, the it, best it looked outfits. Like, yeah, it, it looked like several blankets that were just all very comfortable and layered over her. Great. Yeah. Big fan. I wanted to ask about, at some point, so we might as well do it now, there have been a lot of feminist critiques of Wonder Woman, both the character and the movie. Do you think that Wonder Woman is a feminist? Or a feminist icon of some kind? What are the critiques? I can't imagine her not being her Yeah, not what, being are, what are people critiquing her for? I think a lot of people have trouble with her outfit and her sex appeal that's not diana's fault also her outfit was fine it i mean it i just feel like clearly they're on this sort of really nice pos not tropical but like looks like greek mediterranean area type of island and i don't know it just seems like it's warm and they're training and those are the sort of outfits that they're used to. And so, of course, her outfit is going to be adjacent to that. If anything, I thought her outfit was great because of the little tiny, um, uh, the little bird-looking thing that goes right by her sternum. Because there's some point later on, in, later on in the movie when she's laying on her back and the camera angle is from behind her and it's showing her. And I thought it was nice that finally... Or I, not finally, but I feel like if it had been a male director who had been behind this, he would have used that opportunity for it to be like a shot down her shirt, essentially. Or essentially, and I don't know. I think everything was fine. And when her arms are free, not saying that this is the only outfit you can have, but like she had her arms completely free to move around. The skirt flipped so it wouldn't actually hinder her movement while she was doing anything. She had the tall boots which could stop bullets so that when she had the shield in front of her she didn't have a Captain America problem where it's like shoot at her legs <laughs> because okay you can shoot at her legs and it's not gonna do anything. So I disagree with any critiques about her outfit. But I also just really, really like her outfit, so maybe I'm biased. But also, that's not a character flaw of Diana. So if you're using that as part of her, she's not a feminist argument. One, if you were a feminist, you would let women wear what they want. And two, that does not say anything about her character, per se. I understand the critiques about the outfit, because I think that generally you should probably be wary if an outfit shows too much skin just because 
the chances that it was designed by men who were like, this is how women are, and I want to look at women who are bearing skin is pretty high. Like, that's just how a lot of female superheroes are designed. So I get it. But I feel like the movie did really good things with the outfit because by this point, it's classic. Like, the Wonder Woman outfit is classic and it's cute and it's fun. Like, as someone who generally likes feminine style clothing, I really like the Wonder Woman outfit. But it's clearly, like, armor. Like, her her breastplate is clearly, like, solid. And as Kristen pointed out, it doesn't actually allow for any, like, surreptitious body shots. And the movie doesn't go out of its way to do those, which is amazing. Like, all the action sequences are focused on her and not going out of its way to do, like, one shot of her butt and one shot of, like her face making like a really attractive pose or something like that. Like I just, I hadn't really noticed, noticed it, the male gaze much until it was pointed out to me, but I feel like the movie does a really good job of avoiding the male gaze. So I feel like it repurposed the outfit into something better than it was before. Plus Diana doesn't move really daintily. She's graceful for sure. But like, I really appreciate how heavy her steps are sometimes and how she swings her arms when she's walking, too. Like, it's not the way that a young lady in London would have been taught to walk at that time. She's clearly never done, like, the book on top of the head posture training or, like, the sucked in the gut type thing. Like, she moves with strength and purpose and not in a traditionally ladylike manner, which I think is cool, you know? And... It's a really little thing that a lot of men probably don't notice, but that I noticed and enjoyed. And then second, I feel like if you're saying that Diana herself is not a feminist, you're you're wrong. I just that's all I have to say about that. Like maybe she doesn't realize that the world of man needs feminism right away, so she wouldn't consider herself that because why would we need feminism? Should just be for granted, right? But then when she realizes it like, yeah, of course she's a feminist. One of my favorite lines in the movie is where uh, Steve Trevor asks if she knows what sex is. And she's like, oh, yes, I've read all 12 of so-and-so's treatises. But you wouldn't like the conclusion because they conclude that men are necessary for reproduction, but not necessarily for pleasure. And he's just like, well, n- no, no. And I, no. I really liked that line. That's my favorite one. I also, one more thing about her outfit is that if you look, the, the actual, like, body part, her torso, whereas, like, old school, old school, like, live action TV show Wonder Woman, maybe it wasn't TV show, maybe it was a movie, I don't know, but she had, like, the super tiny, tiny waist, which, I mean, if you have that, fine, but this one has, like, the cutout, and it's not, like, super defined abs, like you see with seven-year-old boys superhero costumes but you can see that it's meant like it's a wider because it's it's still meant for movement it sort of has indentations to imply like strength and abdominals and it isn't solely for the purpose of like Hallie said just tucking her waist in it's it's clearly armor and it doesn't it fits her body so it happens to go in. It doesn't go in and that's the purpose of it. And you can tell that it's meant to make her look strong. Which I like. Yeah, I mean, she is definitely pretty. So I get why, like, I think we need 
more female heroes who aren't conventionally hot. Like, I just, because we have yeah. plenty of male heroes who are like, he's an eek! Nobody's into him, even though they're all cast as attractive anyway. I think that's a Hollywood problem, too. People are cast because they're attractive. But, yeah. But, like, one nice thing about the lack of male gaze in this movie is that, yes, she clearly is beautiful, and Steve obviously notices this, like, throughout the movie as well as right away. And But the only time that there's really any sort of body comments are one when she starts to walk in London and her little like cape thing goes behind her and he's like no 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 cover back up you don't have any clothes on but that's more pertaining to the time that they lived in like women certainly did not dress that way so that was very exposing or exposed skin and then the other one was probably when oh god the 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 Indian man who's with them I forgot his name no Chief. No. Not Native American. Oh. Indian. Um, um, Samir? Is his name Samir? Samir. Yeah. But when he says something about, like, there, when he's like, there's a whole island of women like her, but even then that doesn't seem, like, body glorifying. That just seems like, wow, she's gorgeous, and she's great, and there's a whole island of people who are beautiful and can speak all these bi- or brilliant, billion different languages. So... It's just really nice that not only did you not have the super body glorifying shots of like her butt or her chest, you also got shots where she would like land and you could see her thigh jiggle a little bit and it's like, yeah, women, they do that sometimes. Yay. They have bodies. So, I don't know. I'm, I like her outfit and I will defend it. I can see some cause for concern like Hallie said just because the fact that her costume is like this as iconic as it is it was probably designed by men who wanted her to look like this but I think she owns it and she makes it work in a way that has purpose not just aesthetics yeah I think this version of of Wonder Woman because this has been a a critique of her since like the 40s when she first was a character people have been really torn about like you know she is a woman who kicks ass but also like her costume is really or can be seen as overly sexualized or you know people worry that she is or could be objectified then it's been a debate for like decades so i was just curious as to your thoughts on it but i do think that this costume they do go out of their way to make it a lot more like armor and you know that's one of the the things that the the london scene where she is trying on all the clothes really does make clear is like she tries to do kicks and all of the different things and like it doesn't it doesn't work she rips one of the dresses and you see the impracticality for her purpose of all of the other clothes that she tries on and then it is i i one of the scenes that i really liked is when she charges the machine gun nest and you see her in her costume like doing stuff for the first time and stopping bullets and everything that's where you know it's both a reveal like look it's wonder woman she's wearing the costume but it's also like look at all the things the costume does it deflects bullets and like keeps her safe and she can kick people and you know kick people out a window while doing a cool jump thing one connected scene isn't it yeah yeah there's a there's it's like a long scene where it's like she charges the machine gun's nest and then she's like 
climbing up into the building and kicking people out windows and stuff and like i always thought that was really fun too because until they had the reveal of her stepping off the ladder into no man's land it hadn't even occurred to me that we hadn't yet seen her in her full iconic wonder woman outfit they showed you know when she stood by steve and she had the cape and the boots and we saw a little bit of that but she still had the cape on And then, again, when she was walking in London and the cape kind of went to the side and you could sort of see her outfit. Like, you got these little tiny glimpses of it, but it hadn't registered at all that we had not seen the full thing until she stepped up and she had the headband on and everything. And I'm like, oh my god, this is amazing. It's such a good, it's such good pacing because you know what she's wearing. You're like, oh, there's the outfit. That's fun. And then you're like, oh my god, it's the outfit when it happens. Like, the buildup is really, really amazing. And I think they do that for like all of her abilities I'm really impressed with like you see some of them obviously on themes here yeah I did it but then like they don't really show that her bracelets of submission can reflect bullets until that scene in the alley where she's with Steve and I really like that shot that like overhead shot of her just like turning around and deflecting all the bullets I just think it's really fun it's a really fun way to show that yeah and like reveal that and then um, they they showed the lasso of truth earlier when they were interrogating Steve, but then they show the outfit with no man's land, and then they do, like, the shield thing. Like, I just feel like they paced her abilities so that there's, like, a fun, like, oh my god, she's doing the thing moment every, like, 30 to 45 minutes. And it's just, it's really effective. It's really fun. Yeah, there were a lot of, there were a lot of moments that reminded me of Frozen, actually, in the revealing of her powers like the the first time that she does like the shockwave thing when she's fighting with her aunt whose name is and Antiope Boney Antiope <laughs> where she like does the blast thing and knocks her back and everyone is sort of like in in Frozen everybody would be like oh my god and like really horrified of her but this is a reveal almost it's like subtle but like that all the amazons know that she's a goddess and she doesn't and this is they all sort of look at each other like yep there <laughs> there it goes god puberty there it is and then yeah the and then there's the um when she's climbing out of the trench into no man's land when she's she's like right before she puts the tiara on she like shakes her hair out like Elsa does in Let It Go. And it's like, oh, here we go. Something serious is happening. She's coming into her own. <laughs> the hair is coming down. Yeah, it's... There's there's the sign we were looking I for. I love when hair comes down in movies before women do cool things. What's so fun about hair and women in movies is that it can be expressive like that. Like, either you can have things like that where she takes her hair down and she's ready to, like, be Diana and go forth... Or you can have it be like, uh, oh god, what's it called? A series of unfortunate events. How Violet does her best thinking, and she always puts her hair up with a ribbon, and so you know when she's doing that, she's about to invent something awesome. And I just love how hair can be used. It can it can signify multiple things. It's yeah. very versatile. It's great. Yeah, Her hair is always, like, a little too perfect, though. I mean, movies. I mean, yeah, it's just, it's a movie thing. I mean, it's a movie thing, but I do like, I don't think there's ever a point in the movie where I remember thinking, 
Yeah, her hair absolutely would not still be like this. Like, there's no way that after fighting through all that, her hair would be looking this good. I think you just chalk that up to, that's Diana. She's a god. This is fantastic. Whereas there have been other movies where as much as I enjoy someone's hair, you kind of have that moment of like, okay, your hair looks too perfect. You just went through hell and back. There's no way it would stay like this. But not with Diana. I don't know. She it's al- nice. She almost always has something in it, too. Like the tiara headband helps keep it back so that it always looks voluminous and windswept because the tiara is forcing it back. Or she's got it in one of those cool braids. Or she's got it in, like, the low bun at the gala. Um, I guess it's down for, like, a little bit. But it's under the hat, even, as Diana Prince. So I never felt like... Her hair is long enough that you can do whatever you want with it pretty easily. So it never looks styled. It just looks done. Yeah. That wasn't that wasn't a criticism. I mean, she's got great hair. She's got great it's just hair. like it's, it's like Chris Pine. It's like a little too great, you know? I think Chris Pine's hair looks a little bit too great. No. Like more like more too great than Oh Diana's. my god, his hair looks so good. When they escape the the opposite trench, the German side of the trench in No Man's Land and then they go into the town and then Diana's like, "Hold on, I'll go first. And then you see Steve Trevor look at the men he's with and he's sort of like, yeah, Diana has this covered. His hair looks so nice. Looks so nice. And the, the combination that he just keeps showing up for Diana and he keeps being great and that turtleneck, like it, it really, really works. It's a lot. I really did appreciate, though, near the end, like the final climactic battle, he has a gas mask on when he's like trying to invade the camp and his hair looks really silly then because it's split out in tufts because he's wearing a gas mask i appreciate that they didn't try to flatten his hair over the gas mask or make it look any less derpy it's fixed like right away after he takes it off but i mean we had a couple moments i don't remember his hair then but i believe you it's like two little triangles (laughs) i'm gonna send you a picture later okay great and you're gonna be like yeah that's it that was an accurate description. Send it to me too, because I also don't remember That's this. What you're gonna say about that? So, how did you feel about the reveal that Sir Patrick Morgan was Ares? Saw it coming. You saw it coming. From the moment that they were like, "We're in this small town called Veld," and Edda's like, "Oh yes, I found you, and you're not far from here." And then conveniently, freaking Remus Lupin steps in and is like, oh, no, 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 you can't go there. I'm like, okay, so you're absolutely Aries because there's no reason you wouldn't want them to go there. So really, once it was revealed that it was him, I'm like, this is just the confirmation that I was right, which is what I like. So, so yes. yeah, there you go. saw it coming. The twist isn't, I don't think I caught it the first time, but what rewatching it now, I was like, yeah, of course, like from this very first line where he's just too friendly I'm like, yeah, of course he's Ares. That tracks, that makes sense. But I do think it is inspired to cast Ares, the god of war, as a white, middle-aged, mustachioed British man. Yeah. I just just think it's inspired. Yeah. The mustache doesn't quite work with his sweet armor. No, it's hilarious. That's why (laughs) I love it and would never recommend removing it. (laughs) Yeah, it's... It's a it's a fun contrast. It's a fun contrast, and it's like, it feels like modern war, you know? Like, Diana's so used to this ancient idea of war, like, where the general goes out in into battle, and she's imagining Ares as, like, a classic Greek god, sort of, that never occurs to her that 
the real god of war is the pencil pusher British man who claims that he wants an armistice. I just, I, I think it's a fresh take on Ares. I enjoyed him being Ares. Yeah. In hindsight, like, I, I can't say that I predicted it exactly while watching the movie for the first time, but definitely in hindsight, the it did feel kind of inevitable that the one guy who's always talking about peace and armistice would be the god of war. It's sort of like the, the Flannery O'Connor, like, surprising yet inevitable thing. Like, it when when it was revealed that he was Ares, I was like, oh, yeah, of course, I, I, I've seen this coming the whole time, even if I didn't put the pieces together. But yeah, I don't know. I thought I, I I did enjoy the the casting as God of War, like you know somebody that you would expect to be super huge and violent is this you know British senator or whatever. Yeah, it's scarier. I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I like it more now that you guys have explained interpretations of it. But previously, aside from the fact that it has an element of surprise, because again, you're probably expecting someone with more of an Achilles look or like an Adonis. So for it to be this older white British man had a good element of surprise. But then beyond that, especially when they showed flashbacks of him, I'm like, you don't look young to me. I don't know. And then just seeing him fight, I wasn't, it, it didn't work for me these explanations help more especially phrasing it as more modern war which by the way at first i thought you were saying his mustache inherently made it more modern war and i was like (laughs) the power of a mustache man but i was wondering about the face you were giving me while i was saying those words i truly thought you were just talking about the mustache no so that helps but i at first was not pleased that they chose Remus Lupin. And even when I was watching it last night, I still thought, eh, could have picked someone else. They could have, I suppose. Yeah. I think there's probably, you could look at it as like a historical, like a British Empire thing too, if like the immortal god of war is the guy who's in a high position in Britain and possibly has been there for a long time. Like, there's a lot of like imperialism stuff and you know historical context that could go along with that too the yeah definitely because like something that interests me about the movie is how the first time diana and steve meet um he's like i'm one of the good guys those are the bad guys so it makes me wonder what would have happened if a german soldier happened to wash up on the beach because diana just kind of like buys it and then steve of course proves that he's a good person afterwards but like a german soldier could have been a good person on a micro level but been participating in the nazi army of world war ii so it feels like luck that steve trevor a british soldier in world war ii happened to world war one be the one to meet fuck world war one nazis weren't around yet just just the german army who wanted to take things over and powder keg. I don't want to go into what caused World War One, but it was very bad. Franz Ferdinand! And we generally think of the Allies as the good people. Franz Ferdinand, yes, but he wasn't, he wasn't in the scene. <laughs> we, th- we think of the British, I'm making a really articulate, smart point, and I've just lost all of it because I used the wrong World War <laughs> to say what that point was. Damn it. 
um, we generally see the British as good guys and the Germans as bad guys in both world wars, and that makes sense because the Allies and Germany was doing some bad things both times. But, like, so I think that making Ares not a German soldier, but a British one, was a really good move from that stance as well. Also because it helped solidify, you know, the temptation moment where he was like, all humans are bad. It didn't take any effort to make them turn on each other like this. Coming from uh, the classically evil party that Diana just kind of bought as evil from the get-go, I think would have felt cheap uh, and not as frightening as coming from who Diana to this point has considered the good guys. Yeah, I agree with that. So do you think, is there just not a World War II in Wonder Woman's world? Since she kills Ares, are there just we'll no more war- wars ever? Does that, do you know? Is that a, is that a thing? We'll find out in Wonder Woman 2. Probably. We'll find out. I don't actually know. I, I feel like there probably is still a World War 2. Because again, she's talking about how people are this and this and this. And they're like evil. And like, yeah, if Ares has been there for eons upon eons like the fact that she killed him once doesn't immediately undo like Hallie said the fact that he's like it barely took any effort at all for them to turn on each other they just did this I wanted people to know how much potential my father's creations had for evil like that is still there that didn't go away just because you killed Ares you cut down I don't know a big pillar but he still planted the seeds and everyone took that and ran with it so i think that there probably is still a world war ii um i was about to make a comparison to a movie but i don't know if you guys have seen it have you seen i don't remember what it's called it has sophia bush it has frankie muniz they're playing a video game and then how you die in the video game happens to you in real life i know what you're talking about but i've never seen it have you heard of this yeah that's fine can i spoil the ending i don't know what you're talking about but yes, go ahead. <laughs> in the video game, in order to win, you have to like find the body of this old widow, shoot her in the head, the heart, and I don't know, like the stomach or something with a nail gun, and then set her on fire. And that's the only way you can beat this game. And if you die in the game, you die in real life, exactly how you die in the game. So it's rough. And they're, like, in a race against time to try to, like, kill this lady because this is basically a tester video game. And the thing is that they do it at the end. They shoot, they find this lady's body, they shoot her in the head, the chest, and the stomach, or wherever it needs to be, and then they burn her. The problem is that the game has already gone to mass market at that point. And so you see it on all these different er, shelves for video game stores. And then, obviously, the problem is all these people are going to keep dying because they keep playing this game. And now you've actually killed the one thing that could get it to stop because if you've destroyed her, all these other people can't do it. So I feel like that's probably how it is with Ares in the case of World War II. Is like, okay, you killed the thing that you had to get it to stop, but it's already been mass-produced. You can't take that back. It's out there. It's done. This is probably a more in-depth response than you were anticipating, but... There we go. I said it would probably be in Wonder Woman 2 because that feels like a genuine plot point. Diana would be like, why is war still happening? I've killed Ares. And then they would introduce new lore, possibly drawing on other mythology to justify World War II still happening. Yeah, I just I just honestly wasn't sure. Because she, she does 
the the whole thing that she keeps telling everybody throughout the movie is no we have to kill Ares because we kill Ares and we'll stop the war and then she kills Ares and then the war stops <laughs> it's like oh well well but there was there was another one there's but the war was about an- to stop anyway they kept talking about throughout the movie how they were days or hours away from an armistice like that was inevitable regardless but not but then it was gonna be longer because they had that cool new weapon so how close were they to peace? I mean, yeah, Ares was the one who was, like, whispering these things into people's brains. But also, like he said, he wasn't the one doing it. And they stopped the people who were going to do it, so. No, but if that... Yeah, if that had succeeded. Uh, yeah, no. if that had succeeded, the war wasn't super close to ending anyway. I also, I really liked uh, Ares having an effect on, like... Like, if Ares was involved, this war is bigger and meaner than other wars. So I liked it being used for World War One because that was, like, the war to end all wars, and it was, like, catastrophic for that time period. And I thought it was a really cool way to look at it. Like, yeah, this was because the god of war was literally puppeteering mankind into doing this insane venture. Yeah. So I also wanted to talk about Dr. Maru, who I think was my favorite character in the movie. More than Diana? She has, like... I mean, I like Diana a lot, but... Yeah, apparently not enough. I like Diana a lot. Yeah, but okay. But I, I just thought that Dr. Maru was really interesting. Like, with her... Like, she's interesting as a villain, I guess. Maybe she's not my favorite, but she's she's an interesting villain with her super gas-making powers and her scarred face, which yeah. apparently, according to her backstory, which we don't get in the movie, but the director told the actress who was playing her, because she, she asked, like, what's up with the, the face? It's because she exposed herself to one of her gases specifically to see just how horrible it would be. Wow. She huh. wanted to test it on herself so she'd know. That's... Because she's just cool. that evil and sadistic like that. She wanted to know and experience it for herself. It's like a cool story. Thing. That's fair. I respect that. She wanted to know. Yeah, but I really like her sort of relationship with the the general and how, I don't know, they seemed like they, they cared for each other in their weird evil scheme. Yeah, I agree. I still can't tell if it's like sometimes I get the vibe that she's got like kind of a puppy crush on him. Other times, I feel like they're besties, and I don't have any inklings of romantic interest on either one of their behalf. I don't know, but, like, however I feel at that moment, I always feel like they are at least friends and have this, like, bond of looking out for each other. Even when he's yelling, like, we're out of time, and doing scary general things, it seems like they get along really well. I like that they're both in it for the chaos. Like, when he throws... Or she throws the, the gas thing in the war conference meeting room thing. And then he throws a gas mask in there. And then she's like, but that won't help. And he's like, I know, it's just to, or like to watch them fight or something. Like, they're both clearly just in it. They don't know that. Yeah, they, they both are just in it for causing some ruckus in a very evil way. And I really like Dr. Maru and that yeah, I think she's... And they, they both laugh, like, so happily. <laughs> they're having fun. It's, it's not like, good, but yeah. they're having fun. Weirdly touching to see them laughing together. Like, obviously <laughs> what they did is horrible. Objectively bad. They're objectively bad people. But it's nice to see them have 
some fun after that little prank. I like the little prank. (laughs) I like Dr. Maru because I feel like you don't often get... Not that you don't often, but so often the villains are men, especially in the male-dominated comic book universe. Um, So I thought they just had a really good female villain who didn't even necessarily have some sort of tragic backstory to make you like feel sorry for her she just likes doing this and the only time that you really see her be like jilted womany is when steve sees diana walk into the ballroom in that blue dress and then she's like i see your attention is elsewhere and then goes that's really the only time you see it but i just like that she was evil for evil's sake and she was super smart and she was interesting and she was a good villain. I liked her. As a villain, not as a person. Yeah. And she's she's not like a sexy double agent or a dominatrix kind of villain, which I think a lot of female villains skew towards. And that kind of villain can be fun. I have nothing against that kind of villain. It's just that we see them way more often than other female villains. So having a scientist female villain whose knowledge was unquestioned by anyone. Like, the general was telling her to go faster and to, like, get close to the breakthrough, but her skills and knowledge were never questioned. And I thought she was, like, styled really well in the sense that, I mean, she was clearly wearing makeup because cameras and it's a movie, but, like, she wasn't supposed to be. You know, like, I could tell that she wasn't wearing any... (laughs) You can tell she's not supposed to be wearing any makeup in the universe. And she's got her hair tied back kind of severely. I don't know, she's, she's, she's cool. Yeah. She's fun and she's cool and she's smart. And she deserves what happens to her at the end, but like, you know. I don't remember what happens to her at the end. I watched this last night. I think I must have been looking at my phone. But I know Diana was gonna throw the tank on her, and then Diana doesn't, and then Dr. Maru runs away. But do we see her again? Oh, wait. I thought she died in an explosion shortly after that, but maybe I'm wrong. Think, Does she get away? I think she... Wonder Woman, 1984. The, <laughs> I'm pretty Burner sure... <laughs> I'm pretty sure the the team of Samir and Charlie and everybody... Kristen Wiig rips off her face. I fooled you by being a cheetah. <laughs> Something you'd never expect Dr. Maru to be. It's Dr. Maru. Again. Okay, sorry, David. Keep going. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that they, Charlie and Samir, and I, I think they they blow up the the place where all the bombs are stored, or like some of the gas bombs are, or like the lab or whatever. And she's in there. I think she gets blown up. Okay, so I was probably right. So she's not back unless she just has a bigger face she mask might be. now because yeah she's she <laughs> lived through the bigger face mask is the Kristen wig <laughs> face Kristen wig. <laughs> yeah steve trevor's not the only one who unlikely survives <laughs> you see aries show up to like i'm back to you guys whole gang's here still got my mustache it's better than ever it's outrageous this time. It goes out to here. Aries style. Okay. I'm good. Next topic. Keep going. <laughs> Next topic. I guess we this it's not like the best segue, but we should talk a little bit about the team of Samir and Charlie and Chief. 
I like them. <laughs> that's, 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 that's like the beginning of it. I like that Charlie is not actually good at shooting yeah. or like can't bring himself to shoot the guy in the tower, even though being a marksman was his whole deal and like his whole reason for being there. I really, I, I like that detail a lot. And then he never, like I, when I was watching it, I could have sworn that I remembered he had like a redemption scene where he's able to get past that and then shoot someone because he needs to. But he never, there's never a scene where he like, overcomes the fear is there i don't think so i think he just uses he never shoots he just uses the gun as a telescope which is cool i really like that and i really like that you know he's he was brought along to be a marksman so his usefulness is tied to his skills as a marksman but then it isn't he's like i'm gonna go and they're like no who would sing charlie like he doesn't exactly have a purpose but he's still a valuable member of the team and that feels that feels good. He's still there. He's still helping. And I like, too, that they're like, Charlie, come on, shoot him. And then, you know, he can't. And Samir is like, it's all right, it's all right. And then, you know, they have a moment of frustration only because they're like, oh, shoot, what do we do now? And then they do the whole shield thing and Diana goes up and then that solves it. But I like it because there's no sort of like, God, if Charlie had just been able to get over it for one second, we could have had this in the bag. Like, there's no making anyone feel bad. It just seemed like a good group of, like, uplifting people. Yeah. And since he doesn't have a moment where he does shoot successfully, the movie itself doesn't make light of that kind of post-traumatic disorder you know like i just it's a detail that didn't have to be there but i like it being there i don't know they got a good group of people i like that you got to see they they weren't just there as props you got to see their character too like chief had that really good conversation with diana too when everybody's asleep where she's like what do you mean your people were driven out of your home like who did that he was like oh his people had pointed at steve and i thought that was really nice because it just added to this whole like humans kind of suck thing for diana to make her frustration later more palatable but also to like because they're friends and they're working together so it felt like a good a good balance of how humanity has two sides, as Diana says later in her in her little flashback monologue. Right. Yeah, I like I, I I'm beginning to like these assemble the team montages. Yes, they're so it, fun. In the sort of like like the Ocean's Eleven style yeah. sort of thing. Like you gotta get the like Samir wanted to be an actor, so he you know he does the acting in the in the car when they're trying to get into the gala and like everybody has their own usefulness for the mission or even just you know charlie is somebody who's you know singing is that singing and has his gun as a telescope everyone has a purpose yeah yeah everybody's just gotta everybody's got a job to do and they and they do it and it's nice to it's nice to see how that does or doesn't line up with that person's expectations and they're fun they're buddies like good buddies i like when they're all hugging each other at the end when they think they're going to die Mm -hmm. yeah it's just nice you know 
I like seeing men hug each other. They should do it more. <laughs> Enough fragile masculinity. Yeah. They should. Not just when they're about to die. Just whenever. And I thought they all, like, bonded with Diana, too. Like, the movie doesn't go out of its way to be like, yes, Diana's besties with all of them. But she is definitely friends with all of them. And, I like, Samir occasionally gets close to being that annoying male character who hits on the female all the time. But, like, they even have at least one or two serious conversations. He tells her about Charlie. That might be it. That might might be just him telling her about Charlie. But she... They have a... They have the discussion about when he says that he wanted to be an actor. Yes. And how... I guess that's part of the Charlie thing, though, right? Where, like, not everybody gets to be what they want to be. Maybe it's, like, one conversation, but it hits on multiple important things, and that's why I'm... It feels like she has at least one moment with each member that helps her, like, understand humanity a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Maybe understand men a little bit more. That might be going a little bit too far. Um, But that at least... And they take her seriously during those conversations, too. Like, they're opening up to her, they're explaining something, but not in a patronizing way, just because Diana doesn't get it. And, like, they all clearly think Diana's the bomb, as they should. One thing, segueing into my own little thing, that I really, really like about this movie is that at no point is Diana ever not taken seriously, like, the, the closest that you really get are the two moments where, one, she's in the big old council room where you're not supposed to have women in there because it's the 1920s and sexism is extra alive and well. And women aren't allowed in there. So, of course, people are stopping and they're like, what do you think you're doing bringing a woman in here? And so then Steve says that she's his secretary and that they're working together. So you have that. And then you have the moment, you know, where she says it's the god of Aries and they're all Steve and... Chief and Charlie and Samir are all like, eh, you buying this? I don't know about that. But that seems like it's more because she's saying the god of Aries and not that she's Diana and she's a woman. But, I mean, Steve tries to keep her safe. But, you know, when they're in the alley, he says, get back. And then someone's about to shoot Steve and she sticks her arm out and then it stops the bullet. And then he says, or maybe not. And then he just welcomes her to fight and I mean yeah Samir when he first met Diana is trying to I guess test her on all these different languages and she keeps countering him and coming back with all these other ones and she I don't know I feel like everything she does she proves herself and there isn't really a moment of anyone saying I don't know if you can do that isn't that a bit like dangerous for you you're a girl you can't do it and it doesn't really happen that like really ever in the movie or if it does it's someone who is blatantly being sexist or whatever and I like that in the same vein of Dr. Maru how they don't question her intelligence and her skills they just want it to go faster for the sake of what they're doing no one really questions Diana and they know that she's competent and she's capable and that she can handle herself and then she does Hallie you're giving me a face what I feel like Steve ventures into doubting Diana sometimes. Not from the stance of... I don't know, that's... I think at first he doubted Diana. I think he he likes Diana and he wants 
to keep her safe and he doesn't buy into the whole Ares is real because... I mean, it's not... Why would he think that Ares is real? It's not that he doesn't, like, agree with that. It's that he spends such a long time in the movie saying, no, you can't do this. No, we can't just go straight to the war. No, we have to go by this person's place to put to give the notebook. No, you have to wear these clothes. No, you can't go into no man's land. No one goes into no man's land. But it's tricky because he's he's right on most of what he says. Like, yes, Diana, this is the best way to proceed with the mission. He just doesn't take the time to be like X factor, Y factor, Z factor. He just says like, no, Diana, we can't do it. And I really like when she says, what I do is not up to you. Yeah, Diana doesn't take anything, which is wonderful. But I feel like Steve occasionally ventures a little bit into I know what's best. Especially when he doesn't let her go to the gala, because the only reason to not do that is, like, we don't have an outfit for you, Diana, which she then finds anyway. You're too distracting. Right, you're too distracting. And I was like, come on, Steve. Like, just let Diana do what she wants. The moral of the story that you should have learned by now is let Diana do what she wants. I mean, yeah, Steve has but, those moments, but again... I, I mean, he... It's, it's, a, it's a thing where, yes, he should have taken the, taken the time to explain to Diana... Yes, don't worry, we're going. We have to get this to admi- or to my advisor because X, Y, Z. He should have done that. He didn't. But even then, he's not saying that Diana is incompetent or that she is incapable of doing it. He doesn't really second guess her. He's just saying, yes, we're still going to do the thing you want to do. We just have to do this other thing first. And it's not explained well, but no, he's not doubting her aside from maybe the gala but that one is clearly more so that i think she's dead set on like lutendorf is aries we have to kill him we have to stop him we got to end this and he's like no 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 no. you're gonna come in and you're just gonna like be swords ablazing and that's not exactly the kind of covert operation we're looking for i don't think it's that diana's incompetent i guess maybe in that one you could say incompetent air quote in the sense that she can't follow rules quote unquote so tricky i don't know that's why it's so tricky because what he's saying is like reasonable and it feels it feels silly to say that he underestimates her because he says you can't cross through no man's land which like if you're not wonder woman you can't cross through no man's land so obviously everything that she can do is heightened because she's Wonder Woman. But it also feels like it gets close to men underestimating what women can do, including women they respect and who they're close to and who they love, which is why I love the line, I can save today so you can save tomorrow. Because that is blatant faith and trust and knowledge that she will be able to do that even without him helping her along because this is what he's gonna do and he just he just knows that in the future without him directly there she'll be fine she can continue to do her world saving stuff so it feels it feels i don't want to say metaphorical because that feels wrong it just feels like close to allegory is not right either i'm just throwing out english term words alliteration that's not right. That's worse than what I said. No, those are so much worse than what I said. <laughs> but even then, I mean, Spondy. it feels. 
Antiope. But, um, <laughs> no, but I feel like even, even then, all those, like, no, you can't do this, you can't wear this outfit, you can't do this, you can't do this, um, one, like you said, he isn't necessarily wrong about those, and two, that's all, aside from when he says, like, no, you have to stay here, we don't have a dress for you to go to the gala, whatever, um, those are all before No Man's Land, and then the after that, I think that's the when he sort of realizes, no like, what? Why are you? Oh, I'm sorry. Your video. Yeah, I said. Fuzzy. I said except for See, the gala scene. All of the other ones. Your face is fuzzy. Anyway, um, that was a very middle school response, but you made me lose my train of thought. Oh no. Okay, those are all before No Man's Land, and then I think you know, he sees her do this, and she does, or she says her whole "What I do is not up to you," which is amazing, and. She does this, and she saves everyone. And even when they get down into the trenches, she's like, Steve, come on, let's go. And then she goes over to Veld, and then they save everyone. And I think he has a moment of, one, she's clearly capable, knows what she's doing. Like, yeah, maybe she believes in the God of Ares, and yeah, maybe I think that's a little bit, hmm. But she's very skilled. She's very smart. She knows exactly what's going on and can handle herself. And then two, I think it's also good because despite all these times that Steve is saying, no, you can't do this. No, you can't do this. No, we have to do it this way. He clearly disagreed with her, but was like, okay, we have to give her cover. Come on, let's go. And you see two or three different times where she turns and then Steve is there. And I think that's her moment of appreciation of realizing like, okay, no, this guy is here. He's helping. Even when he disagrees, he's showing up and he's fighting for what's good and whatnot. So I, there are a lot of components that I enjoy about Wonder Woman. And that was like five of them covered into one conversation. Yeah, I was a little annoyed by that. When Steve is like, no, we can't go, you, you can't go to the gala, it's too dangerous. Like, right after she's completely kicked everyone's asses at the previous place they were at, and demonstrated she's the most capable one of the whole bunch. And then he stops her from killing Ludendorff. Yeah. And Ludendorff goes like, and kills, like, that whole village that they were at. I guess he's right in that the plans were already in place to to do the gas thing. So that killing Ludendorff wouldn't have stopped it, and it's better to, like, follow him to where they need to go. But also, I feel like Ludendorff would have- killing Ludendorff there would have been a victory. Yeah. It wouldn't be nothing. I feel like you still could have killed him and then had Dr. Maru do the gas example. Not saying that, like, yes, we should have killed this town of people regardless, but I feel like that could have been another- No, because I guess they have to keep him- alive because then she kills him at the thing and then she's like that's not you Mm -hmm. so what else what other i can see for the sake of plot not killing him there but storyline like yeah you could have possibly helped this whole town not die right by letting diana kill this man who was clearly evil who laughed at all these men fighting over a gas mask that won't help them like gleefully chuckled so uh Steve was wrong, is the takeaway on that one. But everything worked out. Because he's a good boy, ultimately. Any other topics of discussion? There are a couple 
or comments. There are a couple other things, but I don't know that we need to get into them. Why not? Uh, we sort of already covered them. Or like, you'll just yell at me. I love yelling at you. But yeah, yelling at you is so fun. What are we going to yell at you for? That's like explicitly why you asked us to be on this podcast. So that we would that's, yell at you. That's true. I don't know. How do you feel about the romance subplot between Diana and Steve? Yes. Go. Yes. That's my only... That is... Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. That was it. I just... Yes. I... That was it. I like it. I don't know. I really like Diana. I really like Steve. And again, you have all the moments where she turns around and he's there and he's helping. So it, like, yeah, you can argue at first Steve's is just, or his uh, infatuation with Diana is just because like, wow, this girl's gorgeous and she saved me on a beach. Wow. Like, yeah, you can argue that that's how it starts. But again, he like keeps showing up for her and she keeps realizing. I like too that Diana learns as time goes on too. Like she says, oh, but all those men are like liars and thieves and smugglers and whatnot. And Steve's like, well, you like me, don't you? And she's like, yeah, but you didn't do that. And he's like, oh, I lied about this. I did this and I smuggled the book. Dun, dun, dun. And I don't know. I think they have a really good dynamic. And when one of them does something... Yeah, Steve doesn't explain things super well, and he's just like, no, we have to do it this way without really clarifying things. But I, I can cut him some slack because tensions are high, and you don't necessarily have the time or the mental bandwidth to explain it all. But I think they just do a good job of they're both headstrong people who are going to do what they want, and when they disagree with what the other is saying, they're not afraid to call them out on it. And I think they go really well together. And I love Steve Trevor, and I wish I had one. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I get it. I just... I was sort of hoping that they would remain friends or, like, partners in the mission and not, like... Like, everybody's always got to be fall in love with everybody else in these in okay. these moving pictures. I don't know. moving pictures. I get it. You're such a crotchety old man. Everybody's always fallen in love. Yeah. Who and does then, like, that? And like... Who do they think they are? <laughs> finding joy during the middle of a war. Yeah. Like, I... And like, I, it, isn't, it isn't like explicitly, you know, she's found the love of a man and that's ultimately motivated her to want to save mankind. But there is still sort of like a... You know, she finds the love of a man and therefore through Steve decides mankind is worth it. Okay, but so Steve's I Love You is one of my favorite I Love You's in like any film. It's so good. <laughs> it's oh. so good. The way that he's like, I love when you that she can't hear him and that we only find out later what he was saying like it's it's really emotional and because (laughs) diana realizes she has her line about like the keys through love like you can only know love on a micro scale you know like you you can say like i love the world and i love this thing but 
the kind of love she's talking about is the kind you feel for another person. And it didn't have to be romantic love. Like, it could have just been, I made so many friends, one of them is dead. How, how dare you continue to do this to the world, Ares? But I think that it works with Steve, because... Because... I know what I'm feeling, but finding the words is very difficult. Because, like, like, I don't, I don't want to say because he says I love you to her and she doesn't say it back, but that's kind of where I'm going. Like, he goes out of his way before his suicide mission to let her know that he loves her. And it also almost feels like an apology for every time he's ever doubted her and also for just like an apology for her getting wrapped up in this mess because men don't deserve Wonder Woman. It feels like a lot of things that he's saying when he says, I love you in addition to I love you. And then it feels like because she didn't hear it right away and was like confused about what was going on. Like it hit so much harder than if it had just been an, I love you. And then some kind of sexy kiss and then I'm gonna go fight Ares now. It felt a lot more painful than classic romantic love does. Classic movie romantic love. One thing that I think got me more than the I love you itself, which I do think says all those things sort of in one quick moment, is also there's some quote that comes up on my Pinterest board like all the time and I don't know why, but it's talking about writing. And when you are talking about really big things you go small yes and so yeah so it's talking about like if you're talking about a war the thing you talk about is how you see like a child's shoe laying in the middle of the street and how like devastating that is and people's minds can connect the dots themselves it doesn't say that part but that's what i infer anyway but i think to me that's what makes the i wish we had more time so significant is because there are so many things that he could say, including I love you, which he does say, and it's very sentimental, and I think he says a lot when he says that. But um, something about just the I wish we had more time is very simple. Like, he has enjoyed spending these three days with her. He wishes that he could spend three million more days with her. And I don't... It's something that, again, I can't quite explain See, with words. You just too. feel it in your heart. But it something about just the, I wish we had more time. And he hands her the watch, which had meant so much to him. And then he says, I love you. And then he goes, I was crying in the theater. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Plus, yeah, you don't at first hear what he says. You just know he goes up to her. And I remember feeling shortchanged. Because I'm like, um, excuse me, he's clearly saying something important, Mr. Sound Man, on this movie. You have to let me hear what Steve Trevor is saying. And, you know, he goes off, he does his thing, we see him shoot the stuff, no, we just see the plane blow up. And then Diana screams, and then we see the conversation. So it carries, like Hallie said, that much more weight to it. And that's when it clicks for her. Is, you know... When Ares is saying all these things that she's like, no, because that's not the experience I had with this man and with all these other people I've met. And 
I don't know. It's a lot. I feel it in my heart in ways that words don't express. Or at least that I cannot make my words express. Yeah, I get that. It means a lot to me. There's a lot of heart in it. And it matters. It matters. Unrelated. Semi-related. But have you guys seen my Big Fat Greek Wedding? No. I nodded. Of course you haven't, David. But, um, it's, it's, I think one thing that I do really like about that movie, too, is when, his name is Ian, right? The Mm -hmm. main guy? Yep. Is when Ian proposes to her. Because I think when you're younger and you watch all these movies where a guy proposes, it's this big, like, outlandish thing. But when he proposes to her, they're just, like, hanging out in bed and he just looks up at her and is like will you marry me? And I think when I first saw it, I was like, that's how you propose to that's someone? It, that's it so anticlimactic. What are you doing? But I, I love it so much more and more and more as time goes on. Because to me, it was really, it's almost like Jake and Amy on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, where it's almost like he just had a moment where he was with her and he enjoyed her company and he thought, I want to do this for the rest of my life. And then asked her to marry him. And to me, it's just, it's it's the tiny words that mean the most. It's the micro. So the, it's the micro. It's the, I wish we had more time. And it just rips your heart in half. So hard. I don't think I mentioned, I know we said that we liked the Amazonian fight scenes. But I also just really yeah. like the Amazons in general. And I think they're great. And I like both Antiope and Hippolyta, and that is such a great island. God, I wish I was there. It is a wonderful island. Yeah, definitely top-notch island. Yeah. Do you know where that was shot? Is it like Italy? Is that it? It seems like one of those. I assume someplace beautiful like Italy. It feels like one of those off the coast of Italy places. I think it might have been Italy. It was weird because I remember thinking. I think when I first saw the movie in theaters that some parts of it were like, oh, so clearly green screened. And I was like, "Ugh, I want people to go to locations. You have the budget. Just go there. I got very mad. And then I think I learned that it was not green screened. It just is that beautiful. And I'm like, oh, I stand corrected. And also, where is this? I would like to go there. But yeah, I think it's somewhere in Italy. Don't quote me on that. That sounds right. All right, are we ready for the next episode? Yep. This one's not. I'm not sure about this one. (laughs) Are you sure about any of the others? I'm not. I'm not sure about this intro, but we'll see how it goes. Okay. Okay. All right. Bellina is a forty-something divorcee looking to change her life around. She's always loved the ocean and dreamed as a child of becoming a marine biologist. As she takes a walk on the beach one lonely night. Imagine her surprise when she meets the man of her dreams, a 500-pound bottlenose dolphin named Eric. The two swim together, eating fish and planning their future, but all is not right in this paradise because Eric is already married to Karen, a dolphin trainer at the local aquarium. Will Bolina convince him to leave his wife and move into her bathtub? Or will she find a way to ensure that Karen will be sleeping with the fishes? I know this preview hasn't been very great, but it's still a better love story than our next movie, Twilight. <laughs> I was really wondering where you would go. I was like, <laughs> go ahead. I cut you off. 
I was just so flabbergasted <laughs> by what you thought Twilight was. <laughs> I'm so impressed with your use of meme. I know. That's one of the very few things I actually know about Twilight. Is is that meme. And you've got okay, you've got your Bella, who I think is Bella Swan. Bella Swan. Bella Swan. You've got you've got your Edward, who's a mm. vampire and kind of sparkly. There's mm-hmm. a werewolf involved there somehow, is. but maybe not until the second book. And who I think knows? there's like a vampire baby who like eats its way out of someone's stomach, but that might be the third book. Gross. And there's that, and there's that meme, and that's all I know about Twilight. I genuinely did not see the plot twist coming in your thing, and so I'm like, I had even told him, even if it was accidentally, that the guy's name is Edward. How did he not get that right at the very least? <laughs> that was good. You got me good. You did. Like, what movie are we watching? I've never seen it. I truly was like, he told me they were watching, or that we were watching Twilight. Did him and Hallie pick something else? I was about to be living. I opened up my phone to be like, he said Twilight, right? To, like, check the messages. Like, did I just horribly misread the name of what we're watching? (laughs) You get the point for that. Good. Congratulations. I'm racking up the points. points. No, No, you don't. Why not nine? Do I get a point for buying the supplies to make a Wonder Woman costume without yet having made the Wonder Woman costume? That project has been it's been three years. I was going to guess two, (laughs) so... No, you get minus it's three one point. years in the making. You get minus nine points. I remember making because three times three is nine. Mathematically, that's correct, but it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't work for this. If you had made the Wonder Woman costume and worn also. it on our Discord call, then you would definitely have gotten at least a point. At least one. All right. So for next time, Twilight. I'm very excited. Are you, are you both excited about this? I'm really excited, actually. Like I said, I was watching New Moon the other day, and now I'm in a Twilight mood. I'm ready to go. I haven't seen Twilight My since mom it came out in theaters. My mom saw Twilight like Wonder Woman. So in this will theaters be pretty fresh. seven times. Because you wanted to see it seven times, or because she wanted to see it seven times? I went one time with Colleen, and she went six other times with either other people or herself that's a lot so my <laughs> mom saw twilight seven times in theaters. i wouldn't i wouldn't peg colleen for a see twilight she seven times in theaters yeah so personality truly my respect yeah. grows so i'm excited i think colleen is excited you should be excited too <laughs> Okay. Well, until next time, so long, everybody. Bye!